Well, hey, Lead Bold listeners, it's Erin here. So excited for the release that we are uh, putting out today. Um, We are going to be releasing a podcast that Andrea was on as our podcast episode today because we really want to highlight an amazing partner of Lead Bold. Um, Andrea had a chance to be on the Leading Better Together podcast with Annie Purdue Olson. You've heard Annie on our podcast before. She's a certified leadership coach with her master's in HR and change leadership. She founded the Leading Better Together company, which partners with leaders in ministry to cultivate really healthy teams um, and ultimately do consulting when it comes to leadership, mediation, and, and really strong conflict resolution and leadership development, just all of the above. Annie's uh, organization, Leading Better Together, is just a wealth of knowledge and is one of our incredible partners for Lead Bold. I'm sure some of you got a chance to hear from Annie as one of our seminar speakers on asking really great questions um, in our Chicago conference. And we continue to just be a huge fan of Annie and what she's doing and ultimately seeing the impact she is making on the kingdom with how she's helping leaders lead really well. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Um, So without further ado, here is Andrea Coley on Annie Purdue Olson's podcast, Lead Your Leaders with Leading Better Together. Enjoy. Andrea, welcome. Thank you, Annie. I'm so excited and a little intimidated to have this conversation because it is a tough question, but I'm glad to be here. It is a tough question, but I think you're the right person to answer it. Um, I loved when I learned about Lead Bold, which is a nonprofit organization that you started and you serve as executive director. Lead Bold equips and empowers women in ministry, and you've started something really impactful that's growing Um, And you have some upcoming fun and important things for women leaders, which we are going to talk about before we're done today. But before we do that, and before we even dive into that question that is going to, we are going to wrestle with today, it's going to be a fun one. Before we do that, tell us a little bit more about you and what you're up to these days. Definitely. I appreciate that. I um, I felt called to ministry as a senior in college where I was going a real different direction uh, with my biology degree and <laughs> instead took a real different shift toward theology, went to seminary and was headed uh, toward full-time ministry. I tease my husband that marrying him really ruined my ministry career because he is also a pastor. And so for the first probably Oh, 15 years of our marriage, uh, he would get hired as some pastoral role, and then we would move somewhere, and then I would kind of flounder around and try to make my way. Um, So I say that just to say that I really understand um, so many people, probably particularly women, who have so many hats that they're that they're wearing a lot of things they're juggling and the desire is there the call might even be there like it was in my case but it's just not that season where you can fully invest so i'm very thankful now to be at a place where you know my kids are older i have one off to college one just entered high school and getting to be full-time now in ministry both as a teaching pastor and then leading lead bold I don't take it for granted because I know that it was kind of a, a, a road that I would not have navigated the way I did, but you know, God, right? Right. Um, and uh, so, so now getting to, you know, be in this place where I have seen all these ways that God has woven in the things I've done for the last, you know, 20, 30 years and leadership roles 
places I've been in and mistakes I've made and populations I've worked with to somehow in his divine way he does has, has made all of that, that prepare me for this season. So, so yeah, I, I get the privilege of being the teaching pastor here at, at the church where I serve and also get to be part of our creative arts team just to create the weekend experience. And then my other hat is the lead bulb hat, which like you said, is, is getting to be in this leadership community for women in ministry all across the board. So it's a fun season and a tiring season and an affirming season. <laughs> it sounds really fun. I had a mentor of mine uh, say one time that preparation time is never wasted time. And when I hear your story and how God wove together all those seasons of your life to where you are today, it just seems like that really rings true. Preparation time was not wasted time for you. You learned so much and it's helping you do what you do today. Yeah, that's a really good, good word for today. Um, I appreciate that. And I do think it's true. It doesn't make the journey any easier when you're in the middle of it. But we all know anytime we've gotten to the other side and you say, oh, okay, yeah, I wasn't yeah. really ready for it or, yeah. oh, the right people went in place or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's really important for women leaders to know and understand how to use their gifts. And even as you're talking about your own leadership journey, uh, that all of us have at some point on our journey faced setbacks or asked questions about whether we're gifted to do something or whether we're called to do something. And so that's why I think our leader's question today is really important. So uh, let's pause and listen into the question. Everyone on my team is gifted so differently. How do I help them use their gifts and talents and accomplish our team goals? All right. I know I've been in these this leader's shoes and I'm sure you have been too. So from your experience, Andrea, on working with a team that is gifted so differently, why is it important to help them use their gifts? Yeah, what I hear in that question underneath, well, maybe not underneath, but what, what I hear in that question in addition to sort of just the wondering and maybe a little bit of frustration um, is also, I think if we pull back a little bit and recognize it actually is a benefit to have people who have a diversity yeah. of gifts and, and talents because the people that we're reaching and serving they're going to connect with a different person on our team or a different way that someone does that. So I say that first because sometimes having that, really being intentional about remembering that can help us stay energized as we're muddling through where people fit, yep. have grace with each other when it isn't working like we thought, um, and probably practice letting go of our control issues yes. a little bit. That's for sure. Um, but so that's one thing. Um, and the other piece of it too is, again, before we can start to help people find their places on the team, I think one of the foundational things that needs to happen and really be affirmed is recognizing and making sure that everyone on the team has kind of missional alignment. Yeah. Um, you know, are, are we all understanding our big mission. Are we all passionate about it? Yep. Are we all willing to, you know, stretch and bend a little bit to make that mission work? Right. Yep. Well, that common purpose really is uh, something that, that uh, binds the group together. And then you can work through some of the challenges. I was talking with the leader a couple of weeks ago and he was like, I've always wanted a diverse team. I wanted all these different gifts and talents and now I've got them and I don't want it anymore. <laughs> 
He's like asking for patience. Like, wait, why did I, why did I ask for that? <laughs> right. It's but it was true. really, it is true, but it was really going back to the purpose of the team and the mission alignment that really helped him to go, okay, whew, I can get through this. This we can do this because we are all in it together. Everybody believed in the mission. So you can work through some of the challenges of the conflict of gifts and talents differences on the team when you have that alignment you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can couple with that um, a, a sense of experimentation, I guess I would say at our church, one of our values is everything is an experiment. Yeah. And having that belief really frees us up to try things without that burden of, of feeling like, well, once I go, once we do it this way, we're locked in. We have to keep doing it this way. This person has to keep leading it. If there's an ability to have a little bit of fluidity with who's leading what and even what you're offering, you know, kind of the strategies of how your ministry or your team plays out. If there's some flexibility there, that goes a long way with being able to try different things and encourage people to just try something. Let's see how it goes. You might discover that you're, you're really good at something that you didn't realize that you were. Yep. Well, sometimes people don't know their gifts until they get a chance to play them out a little bit. I mean, we have, we learn on the ground as much as we learn in our head. So you can learn something conceptually, but sometimes you have to put your feet to the ground in order to be able to really figure out if it's you or if it's not you. Right. Yeah. And that's where it comes back to, to having grace with each other and, you know, being able to partner people together who maybe have different strengths, but they're maybe working on the same task and being able to appreciate what each other brings, knowing that it's different. But so kind of just being willing to try some things it goes a long way. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, I've, I've realized, uh, so I want my very first full-time ministry job was teaching spiritual gifts. Actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it was all about like volunteer assimilation in the church, like people plugged in, you know, to where they were, where they would fit well. And something that I learned, maybe the hard way I learned eventually was that spiritual gifts, um, they, they aren't really going to point you to where to go. Um, you know, I mean, if you looking at it in a church context, just cause that's my church, con that's my context. If you have say a, a gift of encouragement, you know, where you can see potential in people, you can speak that into them. You can bring out the best in people kind of see that side of things. You can use that gift in all sorts of different ministries. That's not going to give you any, sense of like where to go, you know? Um, so even with that, it kind of comes back to the aligning the mission. Like if you're somebody with that gift and you just have a heart for teenagers, okay, that's going to tell you what ministry to go to. And then your encouragement gift is, is going to come out. Um, it's kind of like, you know, what you're passionate about will point you where, but your gifts are going to define what it's going to look like when yeah. you serve there. And I say that because, you know, if we as leaders have certain, we all have certain tasks that have to get done for our ministries to do the things that we're doing, you know, and as long as people are excited about the mission and they believe in the work that you're doing, then sometimes I think it just comes down to if somebody's willing to help with 
a, a task X, Y, or Z, their gift is going to come out. Their spiritual gift is going to come out as they do it. And that's where you realize, oh, I actually do like this. I thought it was going to be just, uh, you know, doing registration for an event, but it turns out I'm getting to interface and be the first impression with all these people and I'm getting to help them feel welcomed and I'm getting to whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I oftentimes have people ask me the question, like, is there a different, is it there a unique set of gifts or a Myers-Briggs personality style that fits leadership? Like what is the secret sauce that fits leadership? And my answer to that question every single time is all of them, any of them, all it tells you is how they're going to lead. It doesn't tell you whether they're going to be a good leader or not a good leader. It just tells you how they're going to lead. And that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, you know, if we really believe as leaders, part of our role is to develop people, then there might be a really hidden seed of leadership in somebody and it's gonna take five years to come out or whatever, you know, like us, we all had people build into us and, and see that. I know a lot of people, um, I probably, you and I included, you know, we just, as far back as we can remember, we were leading something, but that's not everyone's story. And, you know, I've got people on my team who kind of accidentally became leaders because the opportunity was there and someone trusted them with it. Yep. You know, one of the things I think that is important to explore on this topic of helping you find the fit for your team is also helping them understand their gifts. Like some people know their gifts and some people are less clear. We've circled on it a little bit in terms of sometimes you just got to experiment or sometimes maybe you've got to be mentored or what are those kinds of things. But if you were to think about even ways that you've helped people understand their gifts, what are some of the things that the tips that you would give this leader to say, help your people figure out their, their gifts in this way? Mm-hmm. I am a big believer that a lot of how you understand your gifts is paying attention to how people affirm you, you know, what they see in you. I think a lot of us um, maybe better understood our gifts as we were developing because somebody came up to us and was like, you know, kind of complimented or was impacted by something that we did. At the heart of spiritual gifts is this sense, the way I try to explain it is that as I'm giving out, I may be giving like, let's say a five amount of effort. Um, but somewhere between when that thing leaves me and reaches the person I'm ministering to, the Holy Spirit fills in that gap and makes it a 10 or a 20 or a hundred, whatever it's yes. supposed to be. Because it's it's me just doing what is in my giftedness, but the thing that affirms it is the impact. Yeah. So when you see that impact happening in the people that you're leading, you've got to notice it and you've got to point it out to them. And, you know, I think one of the hardest things for me is once an event is over or once a meeting is over or once a season is over, I am so bad at going back and like, all right, what worked? What didn't, you know, who has time for that? We're moving moving on to the next thing. (laughs) But I, I want to get better and I'm trying to get better at even in the moment or after the fact, noticing what is what people on my team are doing that's working and then circling back and saying it to them and labeling it with them and talking to them did they notice that these are some of the ways just raising our awareness of noticing the the positive aftermath yes of when we're in our gifts i think that's a big thing that leaders could do and it 
it's a win-win because right. you're not only narrowing down and having more clarity about their gifts, but you're also, you know, being affirming as a leader should and saying, Hey, I noticed you, I noticed that you really shined in this area and thank you. You did it in a way that we needed. So, you know, it's a win-win, I think. Yeah. I love that. I think people understanding their gifts and knowing their gifts is really important, but then I think a leader's role gets a little bit more complicated when you try and figure out how do you approach matching the gifts that you see with the roles or the tasks that need to be done. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I think it is, um, I I would think about it like it's sort of an even, how am I trying to say this? Like the burden of doing what you're saying, I think in an ideal world should maybe sit pretty evenly on the leader and the person. Yes. Um, Where, you know, the leader knows what the need is and maybe knows what needs to happen to get that done. Um, but the person also needs to know themselves and, and to be able to say yes when they want to say yes and be able to say no when they want to say no and something's not a good fit. I mean, we can't read your mind, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I think it's, you know, you're not doing, uh, you're doing a disservice to your team sometimes when you say yes to something that you're like, I know I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to hate it. I know, you know, it's like, yep. Well, let's just be honest about that. But so it's like, if we could both work together to be as leaders saying, hey, I'm going to challenge you to do this. That's a little outside of your comfort zone. And then as those that we're leading, having them be able to look at it and, and say, okay, yeah, I see a little bit. I'm scared, but I see a little bit of that. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's, that's one way to maybe kind of match those up a little bit. Yep. I don't know. What have you done? What, what, what do you find with people with that? Yeah. I like the equal responsibility that you're talking about. I do think what you were talking about earlier about experimenting, well, let's just try this out. You know, let's see how it works for you. And then we'll evaluate going forward is a great approach. I think to those two things. Um, I think there's also a piece about, getting people to talk about it on the team. Like, it's not just you and me. If I'm, if you're the leader and I'm your person and we're talking about my gifts things, I think sometimes bringing the group together to say, again, rallying around common purpose, you as a leader Mm -hmm. are the holder of that purpose and aligning your team around that purpose is your job, but to bring them together and say, we've got this purpose. We're in it together. What are some of the ways that you guys want to contribute and how do you want to contribute? I remember when I was working for the church and we expanded, my team expanded from like supervising five people to like 10 people in like a month's oh. time frame. It was just ridiculous. Right. And so I remember having a meeting like that where I pulled everybody in together and I said, okay, here's our gifts and our talents. Um, and here's what we've got to get done. How are we going to make these assignments and assign the roles out? And it was such a cool collaborative moment. One of the things I think I focus on a lot with my clients is that we co-create solutions together with our people. And when we do that, Mm -hmm. we have a better chance of success versus when we come more with a top-down approach, because we only have so much information as leaders. Obviously the buck has to stop somewhere sometimes. um, But in most situations, we can do exactly what you're talking about as an individual or even as a team together to be able to come around and say, we've got stuff to do. How do we want to do it together? And I think that had some value too. 
Absolutely. I love that. And it allows that place for affirmation to come from more than just you as a leader, because again, somebody else is seeing someone do something in a way that I'm not. And it just, it builds the team, you know, kind of trust of each other, appreciation of each other. And that's almost like putting a deposit in the bank so that when the conflict happens and the, well, she didn't do it the way we talked about doing it, or she said she was going to, you know, whatever. Um, there's, you can, you know, you have, um, you have some credit, you have some relational credit with each other and you can get through that bump and then kind of keep going. So for sure. You know, I almost want to avoid my next question, but I think it's one that we have to ask because I'm sure embedded in our leader's question today is this potential concern of what happens if you don't find the match? You know, what happens if uh, we understand our gifts and we know what needs to get done and I can't quite create that fit where they're going to be at their best and what we need to happen as a team is getting done what do we do in that situation? Run and hide. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. I'm totally with you. Like, this is the hardest part of the question. It's like, oh, no, I don't so want to have hard. that situation. Oh, it's so hard and so necessary. And it's kind of where the leadership uh, rubber meets the road, so to yeah. speak. Yep. Where, Like you said, at the end of the day, you are in charge of of stewarding and shepherding your team dynamic. And sometimes for a number of reasons, there's somebody who um, isn't a great fit for the team. And that could be a chemistry thing. That could be a, even a time thing. It can be a, it it even could be a personality thing. Um, And when, when that time comes, um, I think, I think it's really just kind of biting the bullet in a gracious way. Um, again, calling back to the mission, you know, if that leader, if that person on your team really does believe in this mission, then that there's a better chance that that person will, if they can recognize that it's just not in this season, helping the mission, you know, in that way, then hopefully they, they would receive that. I had that happen a while back. Um, I had one woman on my team who was, incredibly like gifted and excited and just brought so much energy to the room and was like, just like a cheerleader, you know? Um, and we tried, uh, in my, in my team, the main model, well, even this is kind of fluid, but, um, I like to have, um, each person has sort of an area that they own. Now it's not actually true because I've got some people on the bus, so to speak, who they kind of float and and they should, and it's great. And so I try to not have to check all the boxes, but with this person, we tried, I want to say four or five, maybe six different um, hats. And I feel like I gave a lot of room uh, for that person to you know, kind of dive in and even gave, gave a lot of freedom to change things, adjust things, kind of lead it out the way that, um, they wanted to. And it was just a a dead end every time. And I ultimately had to just have that really honest and, and I think clear conversation that says that I, I, 
obviously appreciate you and you will still be part of what we're doing here. But I don't think having a place on XYZ team is really the best fit uh, for you or for, for our work that we're doing. And, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, fortunately she received that well and has continued to be connected and has jumped in on things here and there when there's space, but you have to be willing to do that, you know? Yep. And I think those are the hardest kinds of conversations that we have to wrestle through is how to frame that conversation. What is important to say? What is important not to say? And I think those get really complicated and hard for us. Um, I encourage people to actually write down those kinds of conversations ahead of time because we get in the middle of that conversation and our heart comes right up into our throat and changes everything that we want to say that's in our head. And sometimes we can, I've seen it go both ways where sometimes we can then avoid having the hard conversation because our heart just got up Mm. there and we don't say it and we say it too soft or we're too indirect and too indirect can be as complicated as being too direct. So finding this middle space of being both kind and clear is one of the ways I talk about it. It's like hard, it's a hard space to find. And so it requires kind of thinking it through. It's not really an off the cuff kind of conversation that you can have. And I really encourage people to go to a mentor or somebody that is a wise counsel in their life to really help shape that conversation. The best outcomes to those conversations are the ones where that person walks away feeling affirmed, even Mm -hmm. though it's not right now, whether it's because of fit or timing or uh, any of those kinds of things is where they walk away feeling like I'm, uh, I'm, I am still good at leadership. I am not, I haven't mm-hmm. bombed um, and that we want to bless them and help them move into whatever is next for them. That's not always the case. And sometimes those things blow up and boy, that's hard. It breaks my heart, but the more planful yeah. we can be about and more articulate and clear, we can be about our why I think can be really helpful in those spaces where we have to have that conversation. Yeah, and how we handle it in the weeks and months that follow matters as well. Yeah. You know, if you suddenly like never talk to them, never text them, never still be, you know, in that relationship with them, then they're going to really feel used and like, you know, they're going to question every interaction you had that it was yep. just because you were you were getting work out of them, you know. So, especially in the church or yep. in, you know, missional work, uh, um, obviously relationship has to be the foundation. So, um, and so just being really honest, like just because I know I already said to you, I'm not great at the circle me back after, and I'm looking ahead, looking ahead, looking ahead. <laughs> I find I have to put, this is going to sound so terrible. So just have, have grace with me here, but like almost put reminders in my calendar and put yep. notes to myself, like, because this person's not going to be in my space all the time, like, Hey, send a quick note, send a quick text. Like you just don't want it to be like, okay, I'm done with you. Now you're not on my team any anymore. Um, again, because it, it, well, because it's the right thing to do, but also because it might be a season, it might be a season where they are going to circle back, um, and be an amazing person on your team. Maybe you have something in your work that doesn't exist yet, that they would be great at. It's just that that wasn't part of what you were doing at the time. So it's just always, always good, um, good and kind and right to, 
keep that relationship as much as you can. You know, yeah. it's about the person at the end of the day. It's totally true. I had that happen to me once. I let someone go because it wasn't a good fit. And I turned around a couple of years later, I was in a different role. And I was like, I know who I need because he's the perfect nice. fit for this one. And I rehired him. I've actually hired him three times now on different things or referred him to somebody. <laughs> Wait, does that mean you fired like, him three times too? No, no, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I learned my lesson the first time. <laughs> Yeah, but that was a great example. Yeah, I was, it was young in my leadership career and I didn't know that I knew well how to assess people's gifts and understand what their gifts mm -hmm. and talents were. So I didn't match well. Uh, so I take as much responsibility for it as, as he did. You know, he was young enough too in his career that he needed to understand his, what he could and couldn't do. Like you said, nope, that's not me. We got to be willing to say, nope, that's not me. Uh, nor ourselves yeah. well enough to do that. Neither one of us were at the place where we did that. And so we had to part ways, but then both of us grew from that experience. And so um, we reconvened on two other occasions for two different situations, two different projects that we were working on later in life. And that was, that's a really great example of staying together on that. So in light of that, getting people's gift match is important. Helping them understand their gifts is, is important. Getting that team to work together and work through the conflicts and the challenges that we faced is all important. So what are some of the what is some of the advice that you would give to a leader who's working with a group of people with a different set of gifts on overcoming some of the challenges that they face? Yeah. You know, I think some of it comes back to, again, that idea of um, stepping back, trying to look at things in the big picture. Sometimes what can happen when we as the leader aren't seeing somebody as a good fit it's really because they're not doing it the way we would do it. <laughs> oh, that's a good right? word of caution. That's a really good word of caution. That's true. That's a self-checking question we should give ourselves. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I had, uh, I had a leader on my team that, you know, like I was saying, I try to give people sort of like, the, you know, they kind of have a whole area. And um, for our Lead Bold conference that was coming up, she had a whole area. And frankly, a little bit of it was I just didn't have time to micromanage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of it was me being like, okay, I need to be really intentional about not micromanaging. And she did it very differently than I would have done it, but it was awesome. And she grew from it. I grew from it as a leader. And she circled back with me later and was like, I don't think I've ever been led by anybody who let me do it the way I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I was like, how sad is that? And also, <laughs> yay. Okay. I'm glad I, it, it worked, you know? Um, so I say to step back because again, we're looking at what our big mission is and just be, and, and it gives us perspective on the different tasks or directions that we're going in. It helps them. It helps us recognize, um, how important is it that it gets done the way that you as the leader want it to get done? There are things where you're like, no, no, this, this needs to be this way. I right. just know in my gut, I know in my head, whatever, we're going to do it this way. And that's, of course, part of it. But when somebody is bringing who they are and all their unique things and they're executing something so differently than you, one of the things to remember, first to ask, like, is this hurting the mission? Because if yep. it's not hurting the mission, they're just doing it different, then you got to just get over yourself. And then two, you got to recognize that if you're serving however many people, 
chances are not all of them are going to connect with how you would have done. And there's yeah. going to be people that needed it to be done that way. Yeah. And that brings us back to the whole reason we're not doing it by ourselves. We're on exactly. a team because different people, you know, you go to an event and there's six different speakers and you're with your friend and they love one speaker and you did not connect to that speaker yeah. at all. And you loved a different one. It's like, that's why we do it this way. So I would say that that can be one of the ways to first, yeah, like you said, check yourself, see if this is just a challenge. You're seeing it as a challenge because of the control issues that all of us have a little <laughs> bit. Um, and then being able to really assess, does this thing need to be a certain way or could this be a place where we pivot and have some freedom and it might allow us to grow in ways that you as the leader might not have taken us there because it's not your gift, right. but because you have a team, we do get to yep. go there. Yep. Yeah, I think it goes back to how important connection is. And I know that in the work that you do with Lead Bold, connecting women and equipping them in leadership so that they can support one another is part of the core of what Lead Bold is all about. And I think on this topic of developing a team that is operating in their gifts and talents, it's really critical to have other leaders in your corner to help you do that kind of equipping mm -hmm. so that you're receiving as well as giving in these spaces. So I need you to tell us a little bit about Lead Bold and what you have coming up because there's got to be leaders listening that are saying, I want more <laughs> of this. Yes. What you say is very true as leaders, as women, especially in ministry spaces where we focus. It can, it can not only be lonely, but even if you're trying to make connections, it is so hard to yeah. find those peers, find those other leaders who aren't, aren't in your circle, like they don't, they're not in your world, and yet they so understand you and can guide you and support you and just pray for you and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so certainly that is one of, the, um, one of the things that comes out of Lead Bold and one of the reasons that we started it because... I, I had a conversation with a few other pastors, women, and we were like, I don't think this exists. Does this exist anywhere? We didn't know of anywhere. At least I'm over in California, like at least over here on the West Coast, we were like, I don't know of anything like this, you know? So um, we we very first started back in 2019 with a conference uh, here in the Bay Area in California, and we did not know what we're doing. We kind of still don't know what we're doing, but we just followed what God wanted us to do. And we ended up creating a two-day conference that was specifically for women in ministry leadership. And so it accomplished the thing that we're talking about, the chance yeah. to just be in a room, catch eyes with somebody and know inherently that she understands something about me yeah. because we're both in this world, you know, yeah. um, you know, all different. Uh, what, one of my favorite things about it, our first conference is we had 80 different churches and organizations represented. Awesome. And what that says to me is that talk about just a diversity of gifts and traditions yeah. and how you do things. I mean, so we really try to appreciate the breadth of that. Um, and then the other piece of it is really just regardless of where you are in your ministry, what it looks like, what season you're in, where you are as a leader, we want to just help you keep moving towards your potential. Yep. You know, and so, um, so the main ways that we do it are through our conferences and we just this year started having pastors cohorts, mm -hmm. um, which is again, that more intentional place to 
be able to come and be like, okay, I can't say this to anybody that has to watch me preach on Sunday. So I can say it to you guys though, or whatever, you know? Um, so, um, our conferences have predominantly been here in the Bay area in California. However, um, this year for the first time in November, we are branching out to Chicago land and I'm really excited because Annie and I are only friends over Zoom. We've never met in real life, but we get to in November. Yay! Annie's <laughs> going to be one of our workshop leaders. So can't wait for that. But um, so, you know, and I'll say this too, part of why we want to expand our locations is that we're really leaning into the in-person experience because, I, I mean, I love how accessible virtual things are, but there's just no place to be with other women who are in ministry and um, be together in real yes. life. Yep. So, so that's what we're doing. Our pastors cohorts, they do happen online with a beginning and ending in person just to build that relationship. But we, we do make those more accessible and hope to expand uh, yes. the kind of cohorts that we have. So, that's so that's what we're doing. Yay. So give me the details on the conferences you have coming up one in uh, California and one in Chicago. What are the dates and how do people register? And of course, I will put links in show notes, but what are the dates? What's the yes. dates? Yes. So our Bay Area one is coming right up. It's uh, Friday and Saturday, September 16th and 17th. Um, and the Chicago one is happening on November 3rd and 4th with a pre-conference happening on November 2nd, where we're partnering with Northern Seminary, who is offering a three-hour pre-conference that you actually can turn into seminary credit, which is Ooh. amazing. Yes. Um, all of that is on our website, www.leadingbold.org. Um, tickets for Chicago are not up yet, but they will be soon. Tickets for Bay Area are still available. So even though it's coming up really soon, if you've got listeners that are willing to travel to the beautiful, beautiful San Francisco area of California, we would love to have have them. And I just, um, you know, it's really sometimes all about just making space for yourself um, to be able to listen and receive what God has for you. And I think we have a really unique opportunity to do that in this setting. So if that is something that those of you listening feel like would be a way to nurture your own leadership and to um, build into yourself so that you can continue to serve in all the ways God's called you, we would love to see you there. That's awesome. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us and answering this tough question. I really appreciate your wisdom and just your ability presence, being with us and joining us, engaging in equipping leaders in ministry, because that's where it's at. Thank you. I appreciate it. I learned so much from you and (laughs) it was really, really fun to have this conversation. Thanks for inviting me. Well, as always, listeners, we hope that you really enjoyed this episode. We are so enthused to be connected with Annie, just not only as an incredible sister in Christ, but an amazing force for helping leaders lead really well, helping leaders ask the right questions, and helping us all understand that we cannot do it alone, and we lead better when we lead together. So we encourage you to please lean in and check out what Annie is doing at leadingbettertogether.com, and ask the question of yourself. Maybe your team might need some consulting help. Maybe you're in a position where you could use some leadership development, and Annie is a great resource for that and has been an amazing partner for us at Lead Bold. Well, we have some exciting things coming up as the weather warms up and we head into spring and summer with Lead Bold. 
We encourage you to uh, check out our website for details. Also, as we head into March, don't forget that our pastor's cohort is still open. And we encourage you, if you know someone or you yourself might be interested in being involved, to take the time to do a little bit of homework or research about it and, uh, and lean in, sign up and connect with us if that's something that's gonna be beneficial for you. Uh, until we chat next time, keep meeting bold.